Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm Mary Fran Johnson, your host and a contributing columnist for CIO.com, where I write about boardroom issues for technology leaders. Twice a month, we produce CIO Leadership Live with the support of CIO.com and the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on LinkedIn and Twitter, and we welcome all of our viewers to join in the conversation with questions of your own. We'll be watching for your questions and doing our very best to respond. Welcome to CIO Leadership Live. Today, my guest is Nick Callisto, who is the VP and Chief Information Officer at Avery Dennison Corporation. Nick joined Avery Dennison in March of 2018, where he's responsible for delivering and executing an enterprise IT strategy with his staff of 450. That includes, his job includes, shepherding the overall company strategy around IT and digital business trends and driving efficiencies across the organization as so many CIOs do today. But in addition to that, improving delivery of technology services and products to the business. Nick is also known for building on a very strong culture of operational excellence. Under Nick's leadership, Avery Dennison recently counted itself among the 2020 winners of a CIO 100 Innovation Award. To tell you a bit about Avery Dennison, it is a global material sciences and manufacturing firm based in Glendale, California. It has sales of a little over $7 billion in 2018. Avery Dennison specializes in designing and manufacturing a wide variety of labeling materials and it employs more than 30,000 people in some 50 countries around the world. Before he joined Avery Dennison, Nick was serving as the Senior Vice President and CIO for Xylem Incorporated, which is a global water technology company. And before that, he was the CIO at Hovnanian Homes, a residential construction company, and the first place where he and I came across each other when he was the CIO at Hovanian. As a CIO for the last 12 years, Nick has received multiple industry awards for his leadership skills, and he's been a featured speaker at many of our own CIO events and, and other stages around the industry as well. And he is a CIO who is a book author. He wrote the CIO Playbook in 2012, which was published by Wiley. Nick, welcome to CIO Leadership Live. How are you doing today? Thank you, Mary Fran. I'm, do I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's absolutely a pleasure. I want you to start out telling us a little bit about Avery's business and how your industry has been impacted by in these early weeks of this global pandemic. Yeah, you said it well. I mean, you described the company very, very well. Um, global material science uh, and manufacturing company uh, specializing in, in the design and manufacture of, of, of a wide variety of, of labeling and, and functional materials. And, and uh, uh, as, as you mentioned, we, we're based in Glendale. We're headquartered in Glendale, we're, we're, which is where I'm based. Uh, lovely Los Angeles. Nice, nice weather here. Uh, big difference from uh, living on the East Coast all my life with my family. And uh, so we're enjoying the warmer weather, um, although we're not getting out too much these days uh, yeah. <laughs> because of the C-19. But you know, many of our products, Avery Dennison products, uh, play a key role um, within the supply chain um, of critical goods uh, such as food and medical, uh, health. Uh, hygiene and safety. So um, we've been closely monitoring the and, and navigating the, uh, the the coronavirus pandemic, and as it continues to spread throughout the world, and we we, we continue to take key steps in, in keeping our employees and our customers informed about uh, about the health crisis. So yes. um, yeah, that's uh, it's been uh, very 
it's, strange times, right? It's it's a big job being the CIO, and it got a whole lot bigger and more central in just the last couple of weeks, didn't it? Yeah. And I want to also, I want to encourage any of our uh, live listeners on LinkedIn or Twitter, please feel free to send questions in for Nick. I have a lot of questions of my own, but oftentimes the questions we get from you, the IT leaders who are taking part in our conversation here, are even better than mine. So please, we'll be watching the LinkedIn forums and also on Twitter, and I'll be passing those along live to Nick as we're talking today. Okay, let's um, let's talk a little in a little more detail about how your company and also the industry around you has been impacted by the COVID nineteen crisis. I know that you you take kind of a three phase approach to how you're handling things. So talk a little bit about that for us, Nick. Sure, absolutely. I mean, COVID nineteen has disrupted companies around the world, right? And and uh, which will have I think prolonged impacts on the ways of working and and growth models at many companies and. I think CIOs everywhere are responding to the crisis with short and, and long-term actions to prepare for rebound and for growth in, in this new normal uh, and, and our increasing resiliency as well as, you know, against, you know, these future disruptions, which we, which we can expect, uh, you know, going forward. You know, as an example, we, we uh, updated our IT business continuity plan to include a COVID-19 pandemic strategy uh, that is able enable us to, uh, to execute the tactics uh, using a three-phase approach, which you, you mentioned, uh, along the long-term planning horizon. Phase one is protecting the core. Uh, phase two is, is managing IT spending to preserve capabilities and, and also to sustain business operations going forward. And phase three, which is the exciting part, which we're in, into now, we'll get to, I'm sure, later on in the conversation, is, is unlocking the, the power of digital uh, technologies to come out of this uh, situation even more competitive than, than before. So I can go into each of the three, but those are the three that we that we're really focusing on. Right. Well, and that um, it's interesting when you mentioned the unlocking digital power. I think so many companies and especially CEOs and other senior business leaders have seen how effectively and how quickly IT was able to essentially switch everyone over to a working from home situation. And it's, it's a really remarkable accomplishment, but it's also built on the last couple of years of digital preparation, isn't it? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, yeah, and, and it's it's something that we should be good at, right? We should be good at that, right? Wow. And but I don't want to be known for just that. I don't think I think I think IT leadership teams should do a good job with the resiliency piece, which I'll talk about, right? But I also think that we shouldn't only be recognized for that during this no. time, right? And that's why I get into the the emerging piece, right? So phase one was is, was was about protecting the core, and I don't think. We did a lot of things differently. Uh, we established an IT emergency response team to protect core operations uh, by managing the higher demand for, for work from home conditions. And, and uh, you know, some of the examples that I'll give is, again, won't be sort of earth shattering. Uh, we increased remote access infrastructure capacity by investing our, our, our VPN. We conducted a lot of stress testing before employees went remote. So that was really important to do that. We acquired and deployed laptops and, and desktops uh, across the world, accessories. We also reviewed the business continuity plans of our key strategic suppliers. We do a lot of outsourcing of IT. Mm -hmm. to, it's a fantastic uh, partner that we have. And uh, to make sure that they were fully prepared to support us, we have 400 contractors around the world supporting us. We also helped uh, employees adapt to work from home conditions uh, by distributing, developing and distributing uh, you know, information about our digital workplace technology. So, so those are some of the key things we did in sort of phase one. Mm -hmm. Phase two 
was um, about managing IT spending to preserve you know, capabilities, right? And be able to prepare for, for, for the future. We implemented, as many companies have, you know, budget and spending measures and uh, designed to align with, you know, the, the, the company's priorities and the situations around the companies. Our, our businesses are quite diverse. So, yeah. uh, you know, and I, I would also say that our businesses enacted these phases at different times, right? So um, we, we didn't know if it was going to be a V-shaped curve, a U-shaped curve, and the L-shape or an L-shaped curve. We still don't know in terms of like all other companies. So we prepared scenarios in IT for all three. <laughs> um, and ultimately, I think um, our aim, Mary Fran, was to reduce spending, but not at the expense of innovation and always with a view towards coming out of this curve uh, more competitive. Uh, and now we're working on the third phase, and, and I'm so excited about this phase. It's really interesting. Uh, it's about unlocking the power of digital. And we've been doing that before um, the pandemic, but we're, now we're really putting a lot of attention on it as a phased approach. And so I think I think companies that can pr proactively and, and continuously uh, rethink their value propositions can pivot more quickly during this time, right? And the challenge becomes how to really leverage information technology, right? to design an adaptive organization that's flexible enough to move with the market. Uh, and we developed a framework for that, which I'll, I'll get to later on. Okay, good. I've been reading a lot lately. In fact, I did a um, webcast with my friends at the CIO Executive Council just last week about that whole topic around pivoting toward business recovery and the, the fact that you need to do scenario planning for it. And then you also have to do a lot of problem solving around it. And what I, and what I meant when I said earlier about digital and, and the attention on it, not so much that it's just about enabling people to work remotely at home, but I'm thinking about all of the digital transformation work that CIOs like yourself have been doing for the last couple of years and how much that set the stage to be able to step up so quickly to me. I think it's so much more visible right now how important technology is to companies. And I'm thinking comparatively because I've been around the industry for long enough. I remember when we went through the Y2K crisis and CIOs did an enormous amount of work and shifting and incredible stuff was done, but there wasn't much credit because it was sort of, it was somewhat invisible. We changed over to the year 2000 and the world didn't come to an end and everybody said, what did you need all that money for? And you just, you don't hear that now. I mean, there's so much attention now and I think so many accolades being heaped on technology teams for the work that they're doing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it, it's we we um, you know we, we we've been working and focusing a lot of attention on our digital optimization and transformation strategies yes. over the last couple of years, and uh, that really has helped us prepare for this for this situation. I, I you know I, I mean I don't know how you can really completely prepare, <laughs> but I would say for this third phase of the pandemic, um, it really helped us get there a lot faster than we would have have done um, uh, if we hadn't spent the time on, on focusing on, yeah. on creating a, a digital business. I, I well, and we have our first question from our alert readers, our alert listeners, I should say. How do you handle the process due, the process due COVID-19 or the due process around COVID-19, the training, the interaction, and the communication inside your company? I think you have almost an internal, uh, you mentioned that you have a whole new internal communication set up. Yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate, I'm very blessed. Uh, I have a, we have a communications group uh, focused on, on IT. Um, I've always had some shape or form of that in, in my in my roles. I, I believe in you know storytelling and telling mm -hmm. the story of IT and how IT is adding value to the organization. 
um, and getting away from just measuring IT on uh, on the, you know this this quintessential metric is percent of revenue that you spend on IT. I think that's a metric. It's one of many, but you shouldn't yeah. measure the value of IT and how little you spend on it, right? So uh, I never really <laughs> yeah, enjoyed that metric, right? I rather talk about how much EBIT we're we're, we're demonstrating in the company. That's, that's a better metric. Um, so we created a uh, an emergency response team uh, for the business uh, overall. Mm -hmm. And then we appointed the leader of the, the IT emergency response team that I mentioned earlier to have a seat at that table. So Joe Sanguinetti has a seat at the table of the overall global emergency response team. And he's doing a phenomenal job. We have a global communications team that has developed employee toolkits describing the protocols, which are based on business continuity plans at each site and mm -hmm. also are dependent on state government and, 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 and uh, country guidelines, right? And then the corporate communications team has created an intranet site um, which is dedicated to COVID-19. A lot of companies are doing this and the page provides safety protocols, uh, tips on staying healthy and, and guides to our digital workplace technologies, which we are a Google shop. So really enjoy that having uh, access to uh, information anywhere from any place on any device. And then we created a Google plus community, which is pretty interesting, which aims to, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of like a Facebook page. I think it help, help, uh, helps employees share positive and inspiring ideas about uh, how they're staying safe and healthy. You, you see pictures of people riding their bicycles and walking the dogs. It's, it's a great way to get closer to uh, how employees are dealing with the crisis. And the CEO, we just had one today, conducts uh, global town halls using mm -hmm. uh, Google live streaming. And, and it works really well, knock on wood, because <laughs> if, yeah. if it didn't work so well, I wouldn't be so calm. Um, you wouldn't be bragging about it here. I wouldn't be bragging about it. You know. Uh, so yeah, th those are some of the key ways we've been uh, keeping our employees, employees informed. That's great. Well, and I know that you had a very significant corporate happening this week. This was your earnings call with Wall Street. And I think that that happened on Wednesday, just yesterday. Um, yeah. From what I saw of it, it went pretty well. How, what was your assessment? What, uh, what, what did um, Avery Dennison tell the street? Yeah, I mean, basically what we heard was that, you know, some of our business, you know, so as I mentioned earlier, some of our businesses are really focused on, are doing well given that they uh, are in the market of some of these uh, industries that need more labels, right? Yeah. So uh, you, you see uh, a need for that. Um, some of our in other industries like apparel where, you know, are, uh, more challenged because people aren't going out shopping for clothing anymore, right? Uh, right now, at this moment, not not as as retail stores are closed. So, the good news is we're very diverse, uh, yeah. and that's helped us uh, sustain, uh, you know, uh, through this and and you know, giving a strong balance sheet and being able to sustain the, the headwinds here. Um, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think the CEO does a better job than I would uh, explaining our, our business conditions, but uh, I think that we're. We're, we're really uh, well prepared and well positioned to, to navigate the crisis. Well, I know it was something that all your senior leadership team was paying attention to. So I made a point to go look at it yesterday and see how it went. And I didn't listen to the whole call, but it certainly sounded like you. it was a wonderful Q1. Like so many companies had a great Q1 and Q2, everybody needs to kind of put on hold what their predictions yes. and their guidance is for the coming quarter. But it's a very interesting, well, it's an interesting time in, in the most awful sense where everybody is, is essentially going through different versions of the same problem right now. Yeah, I think uh, the more diverse you are as a business, I think yep. the better you'll, you'll deal with the 
Exactly. Prices, well, yeah. we have another another question from the audience, and they were interested in the pre-pandemic measures that you took that proved to be an important part of business continuity. And that occurred to me when you were mentioning your approach to digital optimization versus transformation, because you really think of those in two very uh, different buckets. And so the question here is about the sort of things you did that kept the business moving as usual as you've had to pivot into our whatever this new world is going to be like. Well, I think I think I said I mentioned a few others before. Like, just for example, if, if you talk about you talk about phase one, which was resiliency, uh, covered that in terms of some of the things that we did around you know stress testing uh, sites before they went uh, remote, but they went remote pretty fast. So we were we were literally stress testing, and then sites were going remote, right? So it was hard to get too far ahead of that. I don't think we got way ahead of that. We got just in time some stress testing of some key sites that we have. Um, so that was really important, you know, pre-ordering laptops from a resiliency standpoint, it's things like that. Pre-ordering laptops, we ordered, I think, 700 laptops before it got crazy, right? So we got those shipped. Um, so those are important things. We, we, we have a, a very, um, very um, well-thought-out strategy for digital innovation at A.B. Denison. So I think those, having those measures in place um, have really helped. I can get into that if you'd like now um, to kind of tell a story about digital innovation if that's where the question is really leading towards. I, I think I think everybody's probably pretty interested in that. Okay. And my, whenever I talk with CIOs, I feel like the three big umbrella topics are always business strategy, innovation, and leadership. And everything essentially falls under those. And the COVID crisis is really no different. It's having a big effect on strategy. It is putting a lot of stress and strain and also giving innovation efforts a chance to shine. And then the leadership that it takes to get through all this. I think all those things are significant. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. I know you have a very uh, well thought out plan as you approach the way you approach digital innovation. So talk about that a bit. Yeah, I'd love to. It's one of my favorite topics. There's probably a lot of a lot of IT I leaders. Know. I know. <laughs> you know better than any of us. So in 2018, we established the Digital Innovation Center of Excellence, or what we call it DICE. And the acronym was coined uh, with a nod towards that innovation is a gamble, right? You don't always win, uh, yeah. uh, right? So we, we called right. it that. So it's a fun way, way to poke at it a little bit, right? And fortunately, we, um, we've, we've been winning with uh, our, our DICE program. It's been very successful for us. We've And it's been one of the contributing factors to us being named as one of the uh, IDG's 2020 uh, CIO uh, 100 award recipients. And we're very uh, proud of that. And we're very, um, we have a lot of, we're grateful for, to have that opportunity. So the team is really excited about it. So one now, of our- Before yeah, you go forward, tell everybody what you got the innovation award for. Let's just take a little side pathway. And well, talk it's, it's, it's part of this. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll get is, to it. It's nice. really about, DICE was, you know, mm -hmm. DICE was a key aspect of it. It wasn't the only aspect, but so, so I, I'm careful with that because I don't want to make it seem like all the innovation that we do at A.B. Denison is with this this one team sitting in some corporate headquarters. You don't right? bo you don't box it in one place. You no. actually make innovation a very what do you, a democratic process. Yeah, we de de democratize innovation. I, I believe in sort of citizen development and, and getting it getting it out there. So, but I will will say some some people believe that you should start with doing innovation uh, in a very democratic way. And it's all out in the field and let people just come up with these ideas. We. We decided to do it a little bit differently, and I'll, and I'll get back to it, which is we wanted to have a framework first. We want to have a methodology. We want to have a program in place and build that so that we could it could be much more of a repeatable process. That, that's the reason why we built Dice. Um, yeah. So our top initiative to, to unleash it, the reason why we did this was to improve revenue, um, 
generation, productivity, customer satisfaction, and employee engagement. Those are the reasons why we created DICE. And it consists of three enabling programs to build digital fluency in our organization and also to build products and services to achieve our those goals I just described. And it's, you know how much I love acronyms and, and initialization and, and mnemonics, right? But we have three L's, um, learning, lab, and links, right? So I'll, I'll explain them. So learning program, which uh, a good colleague of yours, uh, uh, Martha Heller, uh, was kind enough to write about in, in last, last April's yes. Magazine. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I'm going to give a shout out to some of your your your, uh, your, your uh, colleagues. Um, cool. <laughs> um, the learning program is is, is really uh, is an educational program, which, which is designed to to bolster creativity. It's designed to help people understand design thinking, agile methodology, DevOps, and, and competency with digital technology. What is blockchain really about? What is IoT? It's a blended learning approach, which includes mm-hmm. literature, webcasts, e-learning. Instructor-led training. We did a, a great partnership with UC Berkeley. I was just um, thinking of that. Yeah, yeah. Just a wonderful university. Just great to work with. They they custom we we custom built a program with them. They're going to write about it soon. So look out for it. Okay. Um, and we it's called the Digital Leadership Acceleration Program. We put 21 of our leaders through that program over a six month period mm-hmm. to learn about the technologies and the practices. They visited other companies. So great way to to really build not just literacy, but also dexterity, as Garten likes to talk about. So by practicing what they've learned. The lab uh, is a six-step innovation methodology, um, which helps um, create minimal, lovable products, we call them, right? And uh, we have a lab leader for each of the four domains. We we have four digital experience platforms, digital Mm -hmm. employee experience, customer experience, factory, and product. So if you think about DICE in the lab, the virtual lab, we've got four leaders focused on those domains. Mm-hmm. And then they basically they build proof of concepts. These, these are the experimenters. They don't, we don't really put a lot of pressure on them. We said, listen, we want you to go out and build some proof of concepts, engage with the business units and the IT organizations around the world, uh, come up with a list of proof of concepts, really challenges that the, the business is experiencing. We, we just had a digital ideation session this morning, a global one with one of our businesses. They came up with 81 ideas in 45 minutes. 81 ideas in 45 minutes based on a, a, a very structured ideation program. And then the links mm-hmm. uh, part of the, the of DICE is the ecosystem of internal and external stakeholders to drive digital optimization and transformation. And it's really an outreach program, Mary Fran. It's, it's based yeah. on leveraging our entrepreneurs, as we like to call them, our customers or suppliers, universities like UC Berkeley to co-create um, to, to solve business problems. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really act like a, like innovate like a startup, but then scale like an enterprise. Okay. So that's basically DICE. Can you give us any recent examples of something that you can point to? Yeah. I, um, so a, a couple of things. So with, with our, um, we have a, in the, in the employee experience um, uh, platform, it really reimagines, you know, traditional processes to, to boost productivity, right? So we have a unified communications suite around to, to help uh, encompass file storage, uh, uh, you know, collaboration and productivity tools, and such as G Suite. So mm-hmm. we launched G Suite a number of years ago, and that's a big part of our digital experience platform. We also have intelligent uh, authentication to eliminate passwords using biometrics so that people can seamlessly and securely access their applications. In our customer experience platform, I'll give you a couple more examples. We launched um, Janela, which is a smart products platform powered by everything and uses blockchain and allows apparel and, and footwear manu- uh, products to be born digital. So you can uh, 
you know, to buy a piece of clothing and that, that piece of clothing is now put into your digital wardrobe and you could then, you know, share that wardrobe with others. That's part of our Janela platform. Yeah. Um, and then so lots of, so each one of these domains has, has examples of where we've tried and, and uh, tested proof of concepts and eventually they scale to, not all of them scale, some do not, some, some don't. Yeah. We did one where it didn't work out. We tried augmented reality in factories with, with goggles to see if we could remotely instruct a technician to work on a coding machine, as an example, and mm. have, have them navigate to work on that. But we felt it wasn't safe. That was, there was- Too much it, distraction. It yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, and great. And thank you too for sharing an example of something that didn't work, because that's always something that's a little difficult to get CIOs to talk about. <laughs> They'd right. rather pivot and talk about the successful stuff. Whereas I think what people learn the most from and the best leadership lessons can be in trying the things. What is it? Uh, uh, failing fast and moving forward, right? Right, right. Um, and we have a question since we were talking about a number of innovative leading edge things you've been doing. There's a question about your thoughts on robotics process automation, RPA, as a cost optimization tool. Is yeah, that question? Good what? timing. Too. We just built a center of excellence. It's, it's new. It's early days. We, we're doing, we, we, we acquired uh, um, Automation Anywhere yeah. as our standard uh, RPA tool. And we've got some good success in finance. And I, and I give a lot of credit to the finance team for really uh, helping lead the charge on this. They, 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 they deserve the credit. Um, and they've been doing a lot of that work out of, out of Cork, Ireland and, and other places. Um, and now we've also seen some interest in our manufacturing processes to use RPA. And uh, we built a RPA center of excellence in Gurugam, India, as I mentioned, we do. And in that case, it's referred to as a captive, right? It's our employees yes. sitting in Gurugam, India uh, with uh, a person that's leading our RPA center of excellence using automation anywhere. And what they're doing now is doing these digital ideation sessions, right? Trying to find out problems to solve, not, not asking people for what they'd like. It's asking people what problems are they facing. And then we use, we use sessions, workshops with them to synthesize and to identify the solutions, right? Um, to, to, to their problems, right? And RPA comes up quite a bit as a, as a, as a, as a technology. That's neat. I was reading some leadership article. I can't remember now if it was HBR or Deloitte, but it was about um, it was about essentially one of the difficulties that CEOs and their senior leadership teams sometimes run into when they're ideating and brainstorming is they start trying to solve a problem before they've really defined it. You know, using ways to get to what are we really trying to solve here, and that that can be, you know, that essentially they jump too quickly to start imagining solutions for things before they actually figure out what they're trying to solve. Or, or someone comes to them with with what they think is the answer, and it might very well be the answer. But, yeah. You know, so design thinking, you know, is a great practice because it, it gets you to think about the problem from different personas. What, yeah. What's the problem? This problem, and then how is it viewed by the customer, the supplier, the employee? And really, we, we've done. A, we're beginning to do more with that. I would say we do a lot with that. We're beginning to do more and more with that. And it's really a a, a fabulous way uh, of understanding the the the, pers the different perspectives, mm -hmm. getting okay. to the right answer. So we we we're enjoying design thinking. Yeah. Well, and related to that, and showing that our audience is truly paying attention here. Uh, the question is: Since Avery designs and manufactures material goods, is there anything about COVID? that is accelerating your plans for further automation and the use of robotics? Well, I think, you know, when you think about robot, I think um, 
look at the new, the new normal, right? And I, I can't speak to what is going on in the innovation groups uh, in terms of how they're thinking about COVID and, and applying mm -hmm. technology. I, I can say that there's a lot of interest in um, RFID um, in, in this era, right? And we are one of the leading manufacturers of radio frequency ID tags, right? So uh, th th we make the inlays, we, we take the, uh, the chips and, and combine it with the, the antennas and the, the, the straps and we create an inlay that goes on to uh, a label that can be put on, like Delta uses our tags for uh, tracking and tracing their, their, their uh, your, your baggage. Yep. Right, the, with the little app, right? So mm -hmm. uh, interesting. So think about where you can go with this, right? So robotics, I, I could think of, and, and, and I'll just think about that one technology. I think there's a lot of different technologies. Um, but I, I think robot, I think you're going to see a lot of contactless retailing going on, right? So I, I can see situations where you go into a retailer um, and uh, temperature checks are going to be done without humans involved, right? I think robotics will be involved in that. Mm -hmm. So I think there's going to be a place for robotics in this. I can, I can see, see that... Um, you'll go into a retail establishment and maybe computer vision will be used, right? Um, to uh, determine whether or not using a mask. Do you have a mask on, right? Um, yeah. So I think there's um, lots of different ways that uh, RFID, computer vision, um, the, the, really the, the intersection of many technologies to help create solutions for um, uh, during COVID-19. I, I read about an article yesterday about wristbands. There are wristbands being created that will have uh, sensors in them to tell whether or not a, a medical practitioner washed their hands with soap before they engage with yeah. the patient. Pretty interesting, right? Yeah. Well, and there's so much that's happened uh, with this current crisis that is, rem <clears throat> is reminiscent of the way society and our awareness changed after the 9-11 attacks. I mean, this is an attack of a different sort, and it is such an enormous mind shift of everyone in the population, things that weren't possible that people would not consider before are suddenly going to be more viable solutions and the sort of things that they're willing to talk about. And I just wanted to take a pause and let our audience know if you are joining us late into the show, I'm here talking with uh, Nick Callisto, who is the vice president and CIO of Avery Dennison. And we are having a pretty fascinating conversation about all the digital innovation that has been going on at Avery Dennison all along and is now accelerating due to the crisis. So please feel free to join our conversation <clears throat> and send in your questions. So let me get on to another. Have we covered, I know one of the, in your third phase, your portfolio of digital products, I know we've talked about a number of them that are underway. Is there anything else that I, have we missed in talking about the things that you have going in this third phase? Yeah, so we, we are doing, uh, we are conducting, this is real recent, um, what we're calling digital ideation workshops. And it's, uh -huh. and I really give our program management office and the DICE team a lot of credit for this. And what they're yeah. doing is they're doing out, sending out surveys. And we're not doing, again, it, it really depends on the business unit and the geography when they're ready. So we're not forcing it. I, I did a survey. So the first thing I did was I surveyed this, I, I surveyed the CLT about the idea of, 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 of whether or not we can engage with their teams mm -hmm. and identify pain points that they or their customers are experiencing across these four experiences, these four E's. I call them the four E's, right? Digital experience, uh, employee experience, factory, product, or customer. Yes. And so they all seemed very interested in engaging, but they wanted mm -hmm. to engage at different times, depending on the, 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 the climate of their, at their business, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've now gotten uh, people to, uh, to engage with us on it. And we've sent out surveys 
to for for those stakeholders within that division to identify pain points, not not answers, just pain points. It's how do we how do we get get more connection with our customers without it being physical. So how about virtual trade shows could be an answer to that, right? Um, and more Google more Google experiences as an example it could be as simple. So we're looking for low effort, high impact, high value, right? That's a sweet spot. And mm -hmm. so we survey the, the targeted group. They come back with pain points. And then we do a 45 minute uh, rapid fire roundtable where they actually then identify ideas on how to solve some of those problems, right? And we just had one recently. Uh, and you can, we did what, not in 45 minutes with nine people, we had 81 ideas. Um, and I think that's just amazing what, what you can do. And, you know, there wasn't a lot, honestly, there wasn't a lot of talking. It was one of those very quiet meetings because we were, they, huh. they had, we had a pro process, we had software and they were going through um, step-by-step. We had a step-by-step -step process and they came yeah. up with 81 ideas and it was great. Less talk, more do, right? Well, more <laughs> then, thinking. Sometimes, yeah, more thinking. sometimes when you're talking, it's hard to actually keep thinking. <laughs> so. That's right. And so now we take it and then we divide it up. Which of those 81 ideas, Mary Fran, are really process changes that, you know, the, the, that the other functions can do without the need of mm -hmm. technology enablement, right? There's some yeah. of that, right? There's some that are really great ideas, but boy, oh boy, you're going to need a lot of, you're going you're gonna to need a bag of money and a lot of time. And that's not what we're looking for right now. We'll put it on the radar, but sure. that's not right now. And then there's ideas that, wow, these are actually, we call them wow ideas. And uh, the wow ideas are the ones that we want to attack now. And yeah. uh, it's pretty exciting. I, I I was on the call and it was just we had it actually earlier today and it, uh, it's working. It's working. We will come out of this with lot. So can you imagine a year from now when we look back at mm -hmm. what did CIO what did CIOs do during this time? Do you want to be remembered by we had great resiliency? Yeah, one of our one of our GMs was kind enough today and one of the calls say we have we've been having flawless execution on IT. Mm -hmm. I, I loved hearing that. My team, we, we, of course, we're going to quote him on that one. We, sure. we loved hearing it. And and he, and uh, we have been very successful with creating that resiliency. And my mm -hmm. infrastructure team, my security team, have done a wonderful job protecting us and giving us the resiliency and the reliability of our services continuously. And they've done a great job. And I want and I want us to be remembered by that. We do. Right. Um, but we also want to be remembered by the innovation, the value accretion that we've created mm -hmm. as part of this as well. So it's like these bookends, right? Yes. Yes. Well, and, and to some extent, that flawless execution, the, the more strategic you get as a CIO, the more that becomes table stakes, where it, it's, you know, it, it's like it's an unusual occurrence when, you know, the telephone lines don't work. You know, that sort of thing. A lot of a lot of what IT leaders have been doing over the last 10 or 15 years is getting to that state of flawless execution, while also, you know, I mentioned all the juggling, uh, taking that innovation and the strategic kind of initiatives further. I have a number of questions now. I will I will wrench you off of uh -oh. the innovation topic, which is great. But um, there's a lot of questions about cyber risk. Uh, one of them is with the work from home model that we're living through right now. How do you ensure that you and your supply chain are protected from cyber risk? And I know you had that on your list of questions of ask me about this. What kind of cybersecurity measures have you taken during the pandemic? And so what are the sort of things that are protecting not just you and the Avery Dennison employees, but also your supply chain partners? Yeah, and I, I wanted you to ask me that question because I'm, I'm really proud of our, our cybersecurity team. You, you, it's, it's one of those areas you're, you're always restless about, right? So we're never yes. yeah. 100% confident, so we're always restless about it. But I, I, I give a lot of credit to uh, 
you know, Mark Van Holzbeck and Jeremy Smith and the, and the entire team for just doing, a, you know, a, a extraordinary job protecting us, keeping us safe, but also keeping us protective during yeah. this time, right? So we we anticipated a lot of emerging IT risks during COVID-19, and including uh, phishing attacks and, and uh, remote access, and, you know, phishing attacks, but also attacks on a remote access infrastructure. Uh, and we got ahead of that by implementing uh, countermeasures uh, to defend our, defend our assets. So one, we, we um, distributed, and this is important, I think a lot of companies have done this, of COVID ID phishing attack awareness, right? Tips, right? So we, we measure, we, we actually we actually fish our own employees to see whether or not they are getting fooled by this. Uh, we've done some of that. Um, and there's been a lot of, actually not as many as I thought, um, phishing attacks around COVID-19. Um, I think we all got worried there'll be a, a ton of that. There's some, but not as much as we thought, but we are protecting our company from that. We installed additional security controls on desktops. People were taking desktops home. Desktops are not designed to be leaving the building, right? No, and so you had to point that a manufacturing company, everybody wasn't a road warrior with a laptop. You had some that were actually stationary desktops. Totally, right? Absolutely. Some of our office buildings, we don't, you know. So, I mean, we get more, you're seeing more and more of our, our, our staff getting laptops, but as we buy new devices, but, you know, desktop computers can last a long time, right? So we, we sweat that asset in, in some locations, right? And as you bring them home, you got to make sure you encrypt those those hard drives. You have to make sure you put other protective software on those machines. And the security team with our infrastructure team did that. We, we heightened our monitoring of our global logins and, 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 and uh, access to our PCs to look for suspicious access. And we leveraged uh, threat intelligence sources for COVID-19 um, risks and mm -hmm. implemented any mitigations that we learned about from our threat intelligence services on, on identified risk. And then as a result of these of these actions, uh, we blocked phishing attempt, attempts, uh, suspicious events, and have maintained a very, very nominal malware infection rate, which is to me the thud factor. You can do all these wonderful things in security, but at the end of the day, what's your malware infection rate? That's it's like 0. 0.0001 or something like that. It's very, very low. So, uh, um, yeah, we also connect. I think thank, thank God for the uh, thank goodness for the so the the IT community. It's it's very communal, and we've engaged with at this point probably over a hundred other IT leaders on various calls, whether it be Seattle Magazine working on something for us or Gartner or, you know, it's been very communal and we've been sharing best, sharing best practices, learning best practices to continue to keep our employees safe and productive during the crisis. Yes. Well, and that's one of the things I've, in my long association with CIOs like yourself and so many others, I'm always so gratified and amazed by what a great group of sharers you are. You know, you get any CIO from any industry, you get two or three of them at a table and you've got 10 problems in common that everybody is trying to solve. So that's what I think is just always so, that's probably what keeps me so engaged and fascinated with you all as a group. Um, let me see, I have more questions. This is another security related one about your view on outsourcing the IT security functions to what scale and extent would you recommend doing this? And has that view changed in our current situation at all? We have a, we, we, we keep uh, information security in, we keep mm -hmm. architecture in, we keep business analysis in. So we've outsourced a lot of the IT organization um, uh, would, that provide what I call, I'm not going to call commodity services, essential services, mm -hmm. right? Service desk, uh, network support, uh, support for our data centers, right? So yeah. we have one global data center, but, um, and a lot of what we do now is on the cloud, but we have a private cloud as well. So, you know, things that you would, you would typically see outsourced, we outsource, right? We, we studied that on a regular basis, you know, uh, to make sure that, you know, we're still doing it right, so we bring some things in. 
cybersecurity has been one of these things where we um, we have a lot of partners. We have a lot of partners, right? So we have a we have a cybersecurity team um, that is in different regions of the world, and then they leverage a lot of very good partners to help them provide the right security for every denizen. So I'm not looking to I'm not interested in outsourcing that. We we continue to invest in it, and we will continue to do so. Our our board has been uh, uh, very supportive of making investments in cybersecurity. I never have a problem uh, trying to get more funding for, for cybersecurity. Usually it's something that uh, we, we typically can invest in, right? Um, and uh, yeah, and they again, they've done a, uh, a fabulous job and uh, we, we, we provide, we, we, I not only appreciate the internal team, I also appreciate all the partners that have been helping us. Yeah. Well, and this uh, this next question that we got is actually more related to the future of a remote workforce, whether you fear that the end user and digital experience management will become a bigger area of focus for CIOs. That is, I think we're all assuming at this point in the crisis that there will not be a sudden enormous return to the to work that the you know that we keep calling it the new normal or the new abnormal and nobody really knows what it's going to look like but it's a that's an interesting question about whether digital experience management ends up becoming a more prominent part of what CIOs pay attention to I think so I think a lot of employees I think we're more productive now than we've ever been before. I mean, basically roll out of my bed. We all roll out of our bed, come down the steps or walk across the hallway and you're in your office. And you know, what, happened just, to, what happened to work-life balance and all of that? You know, I, I feel like we're working 15 hours a day now, you know, it's like it's yeah. out the window. It's, it's out the window, Mary friend. And I, and I think that, you know, I'm looking back to go back to the office so I can get a break. <laughs> I know. I'm being very honest. The water cooler. I talked to a CIO the other day and he said, God, I go start working at seven in the morning and then all of a sudden it's dinner time and I haven't even been outside. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not, I, I don't, they go outside a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'll do my run during the day at a, at a certain time before it gets too hot. I'll do that. But I mean, I, I don't do well driving and talking. I'm just not good at that. So uh, yeah. typically with the commute to the office, yeah, I'm not good at it. I run, I tend to run things over, not, not humans or anything, but I, I'll yeah. run over. I know in LA, there's a lot of debris on the road. So I tend yeah, to yeah. run things. I've got two flats since I've been here. So I'm going to stop doing that. So I get a nice break in the morning going in, listening to CNBC yeah. and I get a nice break on the way home. So there's no breaks anymore. So I think we've been super productive. And I think there's going to be a lot of changes related to workplace uh, conditions going to improve safety, I think too. Is, so first of all, yes, I agree. I think the digital employee workplaces or what we like to call the digital employee experience will be mm -hmm. supercharged. It will be absolutely supercharged, right? I think uh, I think companies like Google, Facebook's coming out with video conferencing now, right? You're going to see these vendors swarm to create even better um, experiences for people working from home. Absolutely. All the accessories that we use, the cameras, the speakerphones, all that will just be a great place to, to invest in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of workplace conditions, if I can spend a moment on this, I think that office space will be reconfigured to enable physical distancing. I think um, mm -hmm. the same technologies that monitor safety when people walk into uh, 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 other facilities, um, such as factories, will be used, um, and, 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 and retail establishments will be used, obviously, for and, and uh, employee safety. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you, I can see robotics being involved in that as well. I think that uh, mm -hmm. I think we'll see a lot more virtual trade shows. I think uh, I think this, the, the, I hate to say it. I know you're with IDG, right? but I think you're going to see a lot more. We're doing this virtually. I think you're going to see more of this and more virtual trade shows. And I think I was I was studying this, and I saw like 20 companies, uh, probably in it was like late February, early March, 
went virtual with their trade show. So I think that's going to be a good boom. That. Yeah. 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 The in-person event business has uh, pretty much completely cratered for, I'd say the next couple of quarters. Yeah. And we may by summer or next fall, get back to the point where people are willing to get together, but there's so much caution around it now. Uh, it's just, and I, I, this will probably be something really good because I think that we could use a lot of improvements and a lot of innovation in video conferencing. Um, we're doing, I mean, we're having a pretty great conversation here, but it's still not, we don't feel like we're in the same room doing it. And right. I think that the more that that uh, starts to improve going forward, the more comfortable people will get with this whole medium. I, I, I totally, totally agree. I, oh, I, you have some huge number of minutes that you're keeping track of that your people are using on Google Hangouts. Yeah, it's 40 million minutes a, a week. 40 million minutes. And I think it's something like 121,000. I had this in my head, 121,000 unique meetings with multiple people, of course. Right. So yes. pretty incredible. I know I, that's weekly. That's weekly. So, uh, yeah, that's just, that's, I love phenomenal. metrics. Yeah. How many, that must be 30 times the volume you had before. Oh yeah. Tremendous. We have a, we have a dashboard. Um, I didn't mention that earlier, but we have an it resiliency dashboard uh, uh -huh. that we measure about 12 key metrics. They're mostly yeah. about resiliency. They're, just, they're, they're phase one metrics. We have that. We review that every single day, and it's things like our VPN infrastructure. Is it is it overloaded? Should we add more memory? Things like that, right? Um, a lot of what we do is on the cloud, but we still have our VPN. Um, and then we look at uh, service tickets. So we, are we seeing a bump in service tickets? with the reason codes of those service tickets? How are we doing with laptop deployments? And certainly Google Hangouts. And we're interested to see how that visual employee experience is is working. How many people are creating yeah. new virtual doc, you know, documents. And so we're looking at a lot of metrics, um, not, you know, there's thousands of metrics in IT, thousands, right? What are the 12 that really matter? That's yeah. what we're doing. And that comes down to a lot of them that you, you had mentioned when we talked about this earlier had to do with the user experience. You know, did you have a, how was the sound? How was the visual quality? How did that's all right. that, I think score, it's like metrics that matter. Metrics yeah. that matter. Mm -hmm. We have another question uh, asking about which did you have to scale more? We're starting to get multiple choice questions now from our, <laughs> our very alert listeners. Um, which did you have to scale more, your internal client systems or your external customer facing systems? And did you find anything unexpected where you had to pivot to another approach? No, I mean, our external customer facing uh, applications is a portion of that. One of our divisions is mostly internal, but uh, a lot of what we do is, you know, we use Salesforce Cloud Craze uh, mm -hmm. for our e-commerce portal for one of our largest divisions. Um, and yeah, of course, that's not hosted internally. So I don't know what Salesforce did, but they we didn't yeah. miss a beat on that one. Uh, thanks. Thank you, Salesforce. Um, we have other businesses that use different technologies, digital mm -hmm. commerce technologies, and we haven't experienced any, any, any issues that I'm aware of, at least, uh, uh, using those customer-facing technologies with our internal apps. Um, there hasn't been, uh, we, we invested in, in some resiliency there, but not, not uh, anything uh, of a meaningful, meaningful expense. Um, I did mention earlier that we, we made some investments in our Citrix and our, in our, in our VPN technologies for access to some of our, uh, okay. our less, less modern systems, I would say. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't know what the vendors spent their money on in terms of investing in their infrastructure. I would imagine that the, the telecom vendors invested a lot of money in their infrastructure, yeah. but uh, organizations like Oracle and Salesforce, uh, as people were in, and we don't, mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of sight to that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you hear less these days. It seems like a lot of things are getting used where occasionally something comes along and it gets called a technology in search of a problem. And yeah. I think suddenly we have a lot more problems to solve. And it's actually pretty cool that there are technologies available. I mean, you mentioned RFID, which has been around practically as long as we have, but it continues to be useful. And then there is, I can remember just a few years ago, how difficult it was to find a business case for blockchain. Right. And that's something now that, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of things I think are going to accelerate as we pivot going into the next year or two. Uh, that are going to be pretty significant on that front. Let us switch over. Right now, I'm, I, I have a lull in our user questions, so okay. I'm going to leap in with one of my own. Um, let's talk about, I, I love a, a leadership lessons learned kind of approach where you have so many demands on the CIO, chief digital officer role. I mean, you obviously do, you do a whole lot with the infrastructure and the management of IT, and then there's all the innovation piece and the digitization of the business and all that. Talk a little bit about some of the, you know, what are some like Nick, Nick's, Nick's lessons learned uh, from all of the leadership thinking and the reading that you've done and that you're now, you're getting to practice it all right now on the ground, I know, uh, through this crisis. But what are some of the things that kind of uh, float to the top of your head as being really sustaining pieces of advice you want to pass along? Yeah, I can think of a, a few. I mean, particularly given that the IT leadership role has changed from more of being a supportive role to a role that's enabling digital digital transformation, right? Digital optimization and transformation to me just means creating a digital business, right? If you want to summarize it, make it simpler, right? And I think there's several principles I think IT leaders uh, need to address to, to boost value in their organizations, right? Uh, first, I think we need to, to lead our company's digital transformation, not just facilitate it. I think... Uh, Digital transformation certainly is a, is a team sport, right? It mm -hmm. requires active engagement with uh, leaders across the, the, the businesses and across different disciplines within a business. But I think CIOs and other IT leaders, CTOs, others, should be the first among equals to, to come up with ways to outmaneuver, outpace, outperform competition with clever, innovative ways of, of leveraging emerging technology. And you don't do it alone. You do it with others, but we should really lead the charge. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Two is we should stop talking about customer centricity and the customer experience and start living it. Spend more time with our customers. It doesn't mean that you have to go find on sales rep rise. I mean, sometimes it's a hard to navigate. You want to go out and a rep someplace where he's in or she's in a different state. You can't get there. You can do, you can go to trade shows. When you go to trade shows, you've got a captive audience. So link up with your, your, your commercial teams and find ways to inter interact with customers while you're together at these trade shows. They're happy to do it. I've done it many times. Mm -hmm. Another way is, is uh, to do surveys. We did a, digital commerce solution with Salesforce Cloud Craze, and then we surveyed our customers, right? And then you get information, you get the voice of the customer. So that's number two. I think that's a, an important one. Start living it you know, and meeting with customers, experiencing customers. I think uh, build an operating model, operating model for digital. There's not a one size fits all. We built Dice. It works for us. Yes. Is it perfect? It's not perfect, but it, def it definitely is making an impact, a measurable uh, impact, right? So it's for us, it's, the, it's a learning lab and links. Um, mm -hmm. Do what's right for your, for your company. I think Design thinking is important. Uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's been around for a while, so I'm not saying anything new. We've been, we've been just figuring out how to really apply it. Um, and I think it's, I, I would say um, two other things, recommit um, to the most important acronym uh, in IT, which is HR, right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not, not surprising that this is you know, it, clearly the most important 
force you have in an organization. You have to build a world-class IT organization. You've got to find out ways of attracting, motivating, retaining a world-class team, and also figure out how to get resources from your partners to really you know, lean in, right? Yeah. Find the right partners. So I think of HR, I think of not just internal employees, but also think about your partners to help you in that. And the last thing I would say is, is avoid that 80-20 trap. I mean, 80% of IT budgets are still locked in in areas that aren't moving the revenue needle, right? They're still in... in and services that aren't really doing anything for revenue, and they're important essential services, don't get me wrong, but try to move that, get, get that right, get that cheaper by maybe perhaps outsourcing, and then move that to reinvesting in what in, in digital business, right? That you can move that revenue needle. So at the end of the year, you can describe how much EBIT you've been able to de- generate for your company based on technology-enabled initiatives, right? That's what you want to be talking about, right? Not just about what's the percent of revenue that IT, for the yes, IT spent, right? Well, how many tickets you saw? Oh my God, right? So I've been doing annual reports for the last nine years. Yeah. Uh, and my, my reports now are chock full of, of valuable metrics, not value-added metrics. It, it's, it has all the support metrics in there too, but we put in the value-added metrics as well. Well, you know, one of the, the points you made that is fairly unusual for CIOs <clears throat> is that about the most important acronym is HR. And, you know, the HR people, oftentimes I find CIOs and HR folks a little more at odds with each other because <clears throat> there tends not to be as great an understanding about how and where to find the talent. And there's too much box checking that goes on about, you know, how the descriptions are written. I was just talking with a CIO yesterday about um, this is a CIO who is up leveling the talent in the organization to move away from seeing developers as people that are coding to requirements and hiring more software engineers people that have that customer focus, a customer advocacy in mind. How did you, how did you, have you always felt this way about HR or has it just been a particularly great partnership at Avery Dennison? Yeah, yeah I've, well, I, I've, I guess that's part of my DNA. I've always felt strongly about building world-class teams, right? And, and having world-class partners as part of that team. And who, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? But I, I probably spend a, a disproportionate amount of my t- time on that. Yeah, maybe um, as I, 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 I would, the reason why I, I say that is, is often HR is surprised by how much time I'll spend on some of these programs, right? And, you know, uh, I, and I have, might be used to more hostile CIOs in there. I don't know. I, it just seems like people are surprised yeah. by it. So I, I, I spent a lot of time, I built three different IT academies, right? And I, and I, I, I've taught professionally for a couple of years as an adjunct professor. I just enjoyed that, that part of what I call that community service, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get paid much to do that, right? That, that's not the reason why you do that. My wife's a teacher. So mm-hmm. I, I invest a lot in, and I, you know, and you don't always have the right funding to do it. So you got to find ways of, of, of creatively of finding ways of, of providing learning programs for, for your employees. So right now mm-hmm. we are building out an IT academy um, for every dentist. That's one of the things that we're doing. We, you know, I look at, if you look at attract, motivate, and retain, Attracting, we're attracting diverse people with diverse backgrounds and experiences. We use diverse uh, job, you know, uh, uh, you know, sort of, you know, inclusive job descriptions. That's really important right now. Building um, d- diverse panels of people that are interviewing uh, the, the 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 candidates, making sure that we have a diverse set of candidates, 50-50 slates, things like that. So attracting that that has changed over the years to really have more of an emphasis on making sure. That you, you're having not only diversity but also an inclusive workforce as well, right? So we have a STEM program as well, a leadership development program for for college students that we think is have, that have a lot of potential. So so a lot of energy is spent there. Now we're we're spending more time on the the, the training programs at Avery Dennison, and uh, 
Yeah. Um, that's that, and, I, and I'm enjoying that. Well, and it, it just as and you're very good about getting word out about what you're doing at Every Denison. I you know I've, I've read a number of interviews that you've done in the last year or so. And I I commend you for getting out there and talking about all these things, because it just I think that that probably makes the company seem like a real talent magnet. Yeah, it, 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 I think it helps. I mean, you know, earning awards, like they call it the CIO 100, you know, the CIO 100 award, which would just be called the IT award, right? Because it, it's less about me. It's more about what the people uh, do. Come on and, now. And, we got branding to worry about. Oh, yeah, I know. There's branding, right? Yeah. CIO <laughs> but, magazine but, started that whole thing in 1988. So it's older than both of us, right? Yeah, it's fantastic. No, listen, I, I, listen I'm very proud to, to get it on behalf of the team, right? So um, it's really the team that does it, of course. Um, and we're very proud of it. We're very excited about that. And that actually builds morale. So things like that, you know, you know, submitting for awards, right? And taking the time to do that, telling the story. I think yeah. you get a lot of value out of it. You know, people get pretty energized around winning, winning mm -hmm. awards. And, um, and uh, we're very excited about that one. We yes. appreciate it. Oh, good. Well, oh, good. I have one final question to run by you before I let you go back to your real job. And um, this will probably crack you up. As a result of this situation, have you slowed down on anything? If so, what are those areas? And we've talked about a lot of the places where you've pivoted and accelerated and are doing more enablement and that sort of thing. But what has had to go on a back burner while you're focusing on the areas that you are right now? Yeah, I think, well, it's part of the scenario planning. It's part of that, the, the, the V, U, and L shape scenario planning. You know, each business mm -hmm. is in different situations, right? And we had to slow down some of the projects that we had this year. We have a lot of wonderful projects that we're doing this year around digital commerce. And, and uh, you know, that's a good example. Continue to, to roll that out. We have, a, we have a, 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 a laboratory information management system powered by Thermo Fisher that we're rolling out this year. So some of these key projects, uh, we, 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 we ring-fenced them. We ring-fenced them. But... We, we, we have taken our project portfolio down, of course, right, to, to uh, be able to accommodate, uh, you know, a, a reduction in spending. And, and uh, so now we're focusing, which, which I actually like about it, we're focusing on the programs that really matter most and we can get a lot of value out of them. Because we do measure the value of each of these programs and in terms of EBIT, and we, we want to measure that, right, and IRR. Um, and I think we're focusing on the right programs right now. So I would say some of the, some of, you know, some ERP deployments, have been pushed out, things like that. Um, um, and uh, that's okay. That's okay. So we've, we've been diverting our attention to more of emerging technology. Yeah, it enables you to boost productivity. I've heard similar stories from other CIOs that part of the productivity enhancement and streamlining going on right now is being able to slow down on a few things while the more important things get taken care of. Yeah, and we're good at, when we do Pick on a, we do pick up a program. Our delivery rate is is very good. I mean, I think we yeah. delivered 93 big programs last year. 87 87% uh, were delivered on time, on scope, on budget, on satisfaction. So we're pretty good at when we focus. There you but, go with the metrics again, right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been, it's always great talking with you. And I think that this was a, a really far ranging and we talked, we talked a good bit about how you're handling the pandemic, but I think we also got a great sense of all the innovative work that you have going on at Avery Dennison and how much that's helping right now. So thank you so much for joining us today, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. I, and uh, thank you to all your listeners for the wonderful questions too. I, I appreciate yes, that. I know they're an amazingly alert group of listeners. So if you joined us a little late into the show, do not despair. You can watch the full episode later today. It will be posted to CIO.com and you can also find it on YouTube on our IDG Tech Talk channel there. 
You can also catch Nick and I and the previous 40 or so CIO guests that we've had on the show since the late 2017, uh, any place that you get your podcasts. If you search for CIO Leadership Live, you will find the conversations. And I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with CIO Nick Callisto of Avery Dennison, and that you'll join me for the next episode of CIO Leadership Live. We'll be back on Monday, May 11th, right at noon Eastern time. And I'll be joined by Michael Smith, who is the Vice President and CIO of the American Academy of Family Physicians. Please take a moment while you're signing off here to subscribe to our YouTube channel, IDG Tech Talk, where you can find all the previous episodes. And thank you so much for being with us today. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.